You're listening to Unfinished Business, the weekly discussion show about the business end of web, design and creative industries. And today is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013. This is episode 13. The show wouldn't be possible without our fantastic sponsors, Hammer for Mac and Five Simple Steps. Hammer for Mac is a nifty development tool for designers and developers. And Five Simple Steps have a lovely pocket set of pocket guides that we'd like to tell you about later in the show. You can find all the links we mentioned in this episode in the show notes at unfinished.bz forward slash 13. I'm Anna, and while Andy's in Japan, I'm joined by my guest co-host, the amazing Ashley Baxter. Hello. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? I am sore because yesterday was legs day in the gym. How are Ah, you? I've got a bit of a bad back, but that's just from commuting and Journey. Sitting down all yeah, day, it's terrible, isn't really it? Being really lazy and sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> I get that too. So what's the weather like in Scotland? Surprisingly, right now, it's absolutely beautiful. In fact, that's why, because I said to you I was going to the gym this morning, which is why we couldn't speak until now, but mm-hmm. um, I skipped that in favour of taking my dog Indy out a walk because it's not often that we get blue skies. Ah, Nice. So it's pretty great. You're by the beach, aren't you? Yeah, we're like opposite ends of the UK. Yeah, I've never been, um, well, because Brighton's farther south than London, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's right right at the other end. Yeah, I've never been that far south. (gasps) You've got to come to Brighton. Yeah, I know. I would actually really like to, um, but I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Oh, you should definitely come down. Maybe for deconstruct or something. Yeah, I know. Um, when is that? That's September time usually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they've so got a date already. Oh, really? I haven't heard anybody chatting about it yet. Yeah, I don't think they've announced kind of what who's speaking or anything, but um, I think they've got a date. Let me just check. Yeah, 6th of September. Yeah, that's a possibility then. Do it, do it. I know I I should because I don't think that let's see we've got build in November Mm -hmm. which I have to go to yeah because it's the last one that's where I first met you yes that was very recently yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and I and I was um and I was a little bit yeah you you were quite drunk (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) yeah no that was only in November so just a few months ago but yeah so there's bill that's the last one um this year so i have to go to that and then obviously did new ventures in january you weren't there were you no but i, w- I was at build and um i went there axe workshop which you should have come on it was really fun should should have come on where the axe workshop we made some axes. oh right yeah um i don't know why i didn't do that there must have been a reason I can't remember why though, but I, I saw that you you've got your axe now. I have, yes, it's right next to me. Uh, not what like are you going to use it for? <laughs> um, <laughs> zombie attacks, you know. Yes, some, that would be quite beneficial in the apocalypse, wouldn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any any trees nearby that I can practice it on, but maybe one. Well, day. to be honest, with the. Um, the workshops that they had, I'm surprised that so many people opted for building an axe when there was a chocolate one. Come on, chocolate. Yeah. chocolate. There was a coffee one as well. That yeah, really so th- it would have been between those two that I would have I would have chosen one of those two, to be honest. <laughs> so yesterday you were on the frequency. I was. It was How scary. Was <laughs> no, it was really fun, actually. I've never done a podcast before and so it's funny that now I'm doing two in two consecutive days (laughs) um but I had a lot of fun because I just really chatted to Dan and Hadi about video games so you can't really go wrong with that kind of chat can you no I'd like to talk to you some more about video games because there were a few that you didn't mention that I was wondering if you'd played and yeah yeah, pre- my life recently has pretty much just been about Miss Croft, Lara Croft. Ooh. So, ah, no, but we, yes. 
Yeah, so that, I think that's kind of what I talked about the most with Dan and Hadi was Tomb Raider. Um, but no, it was really fun, and I think that they liked they liked the whole accent thing, which is crazy because <laughs> I hate the Scottish accent. It's terrible. I love it. It's so beautiful. Oh, it's obviously boring. <laughs> no, obviously you've never been to Glasgow, then, have you? No, I haven't. Right, because that's if you if you speak to somebody who's lived in Glasgow all of their life. I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but. It's it's a pretty harsh accent. It's not the nicest to listen to. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure it's really nice. Well, you should come through then and, and find out for yourself. Yeah, I'd love to come up. I'll try and find an excuse to. Yeah, I know, because there isn't really... That's the, the sad thing. The one disappointment I have with Glasgow, as much as I love it, is that it doesn't feel like it has a really big web scene. You know, yeah. we've got refresh have you heard of refresh before i know that they do it quite a few places like belfast edinburgh and it's just a a meetup once a month so it's very casual we just all meet in a pub and and chat but they don't have anything they've tried to set things up like um they've tried to set up talks and stuff which i hope that they do more of but it just doesn't really feel like it has a big tech scene so i wanted to talk a bit about um your sort of background because you did a you did an interview for industry conference um and i'll put the link in the show notes um it's it's really interesting kind of talks about um you talk about how you started out and would you mind just kind of recapping on that because it's it's a really interesting story yeah um so i started out so basically i'm company director of a very small insurance business um which I got into under quite, I suppose, strange circumstances. Um, It was my dad's business. And when I was 18, he passed away. And I don't know why, but I decided that I would give it a shot and I would kind of try to pick up where he left off. Mm. So that's been over seven years now. I've been keeping the business going, um, I, I'm trying to kind of change the direction of it. And I speak a little bit about this because I'm speaking at industry conference. So you can expect some of this to be covered in my talk, but I am trying to change the direction of the business because insurance isn't exciting. Mm. Um, I certainly never expected to be doing what I'm doing, but strangely enough, I've really grown to love it. I'm very passionate about my job. Mm. Um, but I'm kind of trying to take brokers direct that's the business down a different route so I don't want to just sell insurance anymore I'm trying to kind of take it down a a software type of route yeah so I'm I'm kind of building things which selling software to other insurance companies well that's um that see I feel like I'm kind of in this awkward position right now because I'm trying not to talk to give away too much yeah. about what I speak about at industry because I have been very, I am very secretive about my work and I don't know why, but I just always have been. I think it's because I've thought nobody's going to be interested in listening to me talk about insurance, but really that's not what it's about because I don't sit and talk about insurance. I can talk about what I'm doing with the business. And so, yes, there is that, that this opportunity has arisen for that to happen, which is kind of what I focus on in my talk. But um, other things as well, like I've been building this um, property rental management tool. So that ties in with the fact that we specialise in landlords insurance. Yeah. Um, so I've been building this this um, property rental management software um, that I can, I've not quite figured out what I want to do with it yet in terms of whether I want to give it away to my customers for free or just not really figured that out. But I'm just trying to kind of, that's what I'm passionate about is building things. So I'm trying to take it down that route whilst also doing the insurance. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And how much of the kind of, because uh, you said, you was it managing director? Well, company director, but do you know what? It doesn't matter what I call myself because we're small, so I have to do everything. Yeah, and so do you have to do, do you have to manage people? Do you have to, how much of the kind of business side of things do you do versus actually you know, doing work? Well, I'm quite lucky because a long time ago we used to have 
staff working remotely for us. Mm-hmm. And um, when, just before my dad died, and it was quite obvious that he was ill and he was kind of struggling to run the business. Um, so we decided to simplify things and we, you know, we had to kind of get rid of the staff and we moved all of our operation into um, my agent's call centre. Mm-hmm. So my agents are basically, um, if you could, I, I sell insurance products of different insurers, okay? So if you could imagine that my agents are basically a link to all of these different insurers, we've moved our, our kind of, um, basically we use their call center, we use their staff, we have a very great relationship with them. So I wouldn't, I'm not in charge of them. It's more like a work alongside them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm kind of just sat in my flat in Glasgow on my own, really kind of concentrating on the online side of things. So I feel like I'm actually, I've got quite an easy job compared to a lot of other people because I don't have to manage people. I don't have to deal with too many people on a daily basis. I feel like I've actually got quite an easy job. I kind of hide behind my computer. Does that get kind of quite lonely? Um, if So about a year ago, I would have said no that I'm very comfortable in my own company. Um, I'm very good at working on my own. I just get my head down and get my work done. Recently, I've really started craving for an office environment. I've been going to London quite a bit and working from my agent's office there. And I love that. I love being surrounded by all of these people, even though you see having worked seven over seven years by myself and having not been in a conventional working environment, it's quite interesting to then go there and you actually see how much people procrastinate and skive, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's quite shocking because I'm used to, I actually do just get my work done. But yeah, now I'm actually, I am quite lonely because I work from home. I live alone. So I spend a lot of time by myself. Well, and with, just with recently, Oh, yes, with Indy, of course, who is great company. She is. Um, But yeah, recently I have started to feel like I need to kind of take my career to the next level. I need to take my, as cheesy as this sounds, but personal growth. I think I've done as much learning and growing as I possibly can sitting in this apartment on my own. Do you understand what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And do you feel like um, you kind of want to learn off other people? Because I know you've been doing a lot of uh, kind of Ruby development and that must be really difficult. You must hit a point where you just think, I just want to see how other people do it and kind of learn off them. Do, do you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, so the, the office that I've been working from in London, none of the, they have an in-house software team, but I don't really, um, converse with them. They, they do like ASP.net and stuff that really doesn't interest me in the slightest. Mm. But um, speaking to the directors of the company, I really get a buzz buzz about being around them because they're so passionate about what they do. Um, but yeah, in terms of the soft, like uh, trying to learn to program and being in my house by myself and not being surrounded by people who can help me, that is a big problem. But that's why I've started to go to things like Refresh Glasgow so that I can meet people who are in this industry and then um, they can kind of help me and um yeah they're just interesting to talk to but it has been difficult I've been doing stuff like have you heard of peep code no well they do these play-by-play videos they're called and basically they just get really great developers to build something and they record it so you're watching their workflow and you might not necessarily understand what the code they're writing does but just watching the way that they work and the way that they think, that's been quite beneficial for me. I suppose you have to take what you can get when you're in a situation working on your own, don't you? Yeah, isn't that something that Chris Coy is doing as well? He's kind of recording how he's built his new site. Um, he's kind of filming it all. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's the CSS tricks guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's been, yeah. he did like a Kickstarter and he um, he's sort of asking people to donate for for his new site and the way that he went about that was um he's been sort of recording how he's been doing how he's been building his site um and kind of doing screen captures of of sort of everything that he's been working on and I really like that because it's it's just something that you don't see especially if you work on your own you don't see that you kind of assume that 
the way you've been working is, um, you know, you, you kind of don't know how other people do it and, or if you're doing it the right way. So it's, it's always interesting to kind of be able to look over someone's shoulder and see what they're working on. Yeah, I think that that's the best way to learn. I know that everybody learns differently. Some people are quite happy to sit down with a book and read the manual and they pick it up. But for me, I learn best by having somebody show me what to do. Yeah, or, or actually and, doing it yourself and sort of yeah, making exactly. and learning from Yeah, them. so the whole being in my house on my own or in my office, whatever you want to call it, on my own and trying to learn how to program because um, I'm not a clever person. <laughs> I, I think that it comes quite naturally to some people, but for me, it's been a tremendous uphill struggle. And I'm, I'm, it's taken me so long to get to the point where I can actually build things. But I've, because I do Ruby on Rails, and that community is so helpful. Like, there are so many individuals who I've reached out to and they've helped me. They've looked over my code and they've, they've told me what I can do better so it is such a great community I love the internet yeah oh it's so lovely I mean I, I, I was watching you kind of when you were starting to learn Ruby and I was like oh I want to give that a go as well I couldn't even get past the sort of installation um, I remember I had to install Xcode and then install this other stuff and I was still getting errors just trying to install it and oh it's a nightmare <laughs> so no, I have but... a lot of respect for you being able to <laughs> to do what well, you're doing. I think if I can, if I can do it, I think anybody can do it. Persevere with it because now that it has got to the point where um, I'm sitting, at coming up with ideas and building things, and um, now that it's got to that point, looking back, I can say it's definitely been worth it. You feel very. This might sound silly, but I feel quite liberated yeah, knowing that when I have knowing that you can build yeah. something that that you want. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a great feeling. In fact, have you ever seen that movie, Limitless? No, I haven't. Oh, well, it was a Sunday night just a few weeks ago and I was sitting watching this movie on film four called Limitless and I get quite inspired easily. Are you like that? Yeah, yeah. When I go to a conference or something and just feel kind of, I get the buzz. Like I want yes. to run home and, and start building something. Yes, that's how I feel at, at a good conference as well. But that's I was sitting watching this movie and it's it's actually about a guy who takes a drug and it basically means that he can tap into all areas of his brain and remember everything he's ever watched or written or it, like or read right, anything. Yeah. And he, <laughs> well, yeah. So basically, he's super intelligent and he and and he um, becomes really successful and is in a fortune 500 company really high up figure and that really inspired me i don't know why it got me really excited um and i and i sat there and i was like oh i want to build something i want to build something just because this movie was making me excited about being successful and so i had had a, a silly wee idea it was nothing fancy it was just a calculator for landlords that helps them actually figure out what their real rental income is once all of the customary charges of renting a property has been deducted. Mm -hmm. And I was able to build that in just a few days. Do you know what I mean? I had that, I was excited, I had an idea and I was able to do it just within a couple of days. So I think that, I think, I think you should persevere with learning to code, Anna. Okay. <laughs> it's great. It is great to just act, be able to act on your silly wee ideas. Yeah. I guess, if I find something that I want to build, then I'll have much more motivation to, to learn it. Um, but at the moment I'm just kind of, I don't, I don't really have any ideas or anything. Well, I have a question for you actually. Okay. Um, to get your opinion on something. So with the nature of my job, like I said, I have to kind of, my finger is in many pies. Okay. And it means that I'm never going to be, an expert at something mm. so I can build websites and I can do a bit of programming and a little bit of marketing and whatever but I'm never going to be able to master any of that stuff because I do have to spread myself so thin mm. and you see I see a lot of web designers and people like that talking about really excelling at one thing being a master of something 10,000 hours into one thing and becoming great at it and that kind of depresses me because that's never going to be me. What do you think of that? Do you think that you should pick one area and get really good at it? Um, we talked about this a little bit a couple of shows ago and 
I've been thinking about it a lot since then. And I think it's not a bad thing to be a generalist. Um, I've worked with a lot of generalists who have been amazing because they know who to talk to, um, to, to get the right opinion on something. So they'll say, you know, I know this roughly. If you need someone to do, you know, if you need a specialist, I know this person who can do it. Um, so they'll, they'll know kind of the rough idea of, of what needs to be done. And, and that in itself is really useful. And I kind of, I think I'm a bit of a generalist in that, um, I do, I do bits of design. I do bits of, um, HTML and CSS. I, d- I just kind of do a range of things. Um, but that's, I think clients find that really useful because, um, I can, I don't have to call in a designer every time, um, something needs to be designed. I can kind of, um, make decisions myself and I, yeah, I just find that I, I'm interested by a lot of things and I'd find it quite difficult to, to really, really specialize in, in just one particular thing. I think, you know, especially at the rate that the web is moving, that thing could be irrelevant in, in a few years. Yeah. Do you not feel really overwhelmed? Yes. Oh God. Yes. I feel like every time I read an article, I, I, it just makes me feel really stupid because it's, wow, there's so much in here that I need to learn. Um, there was, there was like a blog post that went out years ago, um, or well, internet years ago, <laughs> um, yeah. that was about what a front end developer needs to learn. And it's things like like Node.js and it's like all these things I don't know. And I'm just thinking, yeah. oh, God, I feel so thick. <laughs> no, I know I I, cause I do. Like, like I said, I'll never be a master at any of these things, but I do certainly try to keep on top of it all. And for me, I feel overwhelmed. So I can't imagine how people who are actually expected to do it professionally feel. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. I just want to take a break to talk about um this week's sponsor it's hammer for mac hammer for mac is a beautifully designed app for people who like me who write html and you can use your favorite code editor um and hammer kind of sits in the background and it takes your production files and compiles them into a build folder which is inside of your project and when you save files it does lots of nifty things like it compiles sas and coffee script and when you hit save it automatically reloads the browser Rather than using PHP includes, you can use HTML includes, so you don't need to set up a local server. And you can also use something called Clever Paths. And what that does is it lets you just write the, the file name to an image or script or style sheet. And that tells Hammer to search your project for the file and magically write the full path. So let's say you want to show a client the site that you're working on, but you don't want to set up a server. Um, what you can do is you can click on the publish build button and that saves your site to the space that Riot provide for free. And that gives you a URL that you can share with your client. And this is perfect for demo and work in progress, uh, just like Andy and Nora were talking about in last week's show. So give Hammer a go for your next project. You should especially try it if you haven't written SAS before and you want to get to grips with that. They've got a 14-day trial, and when you're ready to upgrade, it's only $16.99 or $23.99 in the Mac App Store. And if you go to our special URL, that's hammerfmac.com forward slash unfinished, they'll know we sent you. So you're speaking at industry conference in a bit. Is that your first talk? Yes, it's exactly in three weeks today. Ah. (laughs) Um, Is it three weeks today? Yes, it is. And um, I am terrified. I'm terrified. Um, And you know what's really tripping me up? working on my slides I can't make things look pretty (laughs) I always find that the first thing I do I don't feel comfortable with my talk unless unless I've got like a font I like (laughs) right well I don't know I I, I've I've not even I've kind of got an idea of what I want to do with my slides but I've not started them yet do you think I've left it too late oh no as long as you know what you're going to say and You've kind of oh yeah, that. yeah, you'll be fine. The slides are kind of some people who don't use slides at all. I don't know how they do it, but yeah, respect for them. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've certainly got my talk all planned out. I think I'll tweak it a little bit. Um, I've been, it's been quite difficult because 
I don't have a lot of friends who are in a similar industry to me, but I've been demoing it to them. And I suppose what I want to do with my talk is I'm not going to educate anybody, but I certainly want to motivate people. So like you said earlier, um, when you're at a conference and you get that buzz to run home and, and make something or create something, that's what I want to do. Because my fa- I've been to quite a few conferences and the, my favourite ones are always the, the talks where I get that feeling. And um, those talks usually are quite personal and they, they just kind of hit the spot, they motivate you. That's what I'm hoping to do with my talk. So I've been giving it to my friends and, and if they get a little bit excited, then... Then, it, then I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of, well, that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping to excite people about their work. What, you, what is it you're talking about? Um, well, again, without kind of trying to give too much away. So, like you said about my interview with Gavin and my kind of background, so I'm not going to rehash any content from that, but I do want to. I will be talking about my personal experience of, you know, coming into this business um, through that kind of tragedy. Well, yeah, tragedy, I guess. And um, knowing nothing about insurance, knowing nothing about the web, knowing nothing about what I was doing and how I've kind of... The things that I've learned, basically, from getting to where I am now. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, I have been quite secretive about my work, so... But I am going to show something that I've built and talk about an opportunity that's arisen because of that mm. and and how I think people, it will all boil down to how people can apply what I've learned to their work, to their industry that they're in. So really, I just want to get people motivated and realise that I think, Anna, I think that we're all capable of so much more than we even realise. Yeah. I think that, I just kind of want to get people sat there thinking maybe I could try a little bit harder. Yeah. Or I don't know. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> I I'm I have a lot of respect for you for um you've you've kind of been overcoming your fears. I mean, you talk a bit in the interview about um how you were sort of scared of traveling, um scared of putting yourself out there and you you overcame that. And what sort of steps did you take to do that? Um, it's funny, um, because it was always, so I basically used to have really bad panic attacks, which are actually very common. Anxiety is an incredibly common problem. Mm. Um, but I didn't realise this at the time because I'm not the kind of person who, um, like none of my friends knew I was going through that. I all just kind of kept it to myself and tried to deal with it myself, but it was always too well, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Do you know what ultimately ultimately saved me, as dramatic as that sounds? My photography. Ah. You know how I got into photography? And I fell so in love with it that I realised, I was like, there's no way I can... I used to live in a tiny little town when I had the anxiety problem, I think. Um, it was one of those places where everybody knew everybody. It had... Yeah two restaurants, one tiny wee supermarket, that was it. And I thought, I cannot stay here for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and not see New York, San Francisco and go and photograph these places. And that's ultimately what got me over my fear of travelling. Um, but it was just kind of like, ultimately what I had to do was strip out all of my... Um, I don't know what the right expression is, but if you think of like a safety blanket... Like your comfort yeah. zone. I basically had to strip anything out of my life that made me feel comfortable. So wow. <laughs> as as terrible as it sounds, I had to like break up with my boyfriend of three years because he was, you know, that was just comfortable. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I had to get rid of anything that made me feel, I had to just get him out of my life so that I had to actually start going out there and socialising on my own and seeing my friends again and getting up to Glasgow, which was such a big ordeal at the time. Um, so yeah, just it, it really boils down to something as simple as forcing yourself to step outside of your comfort zone, which is not easy for anybody. Yeah, I mean, how did you know that was going to work? Because I guess he, um, he, it could have always gone the other way where you, you strip out the, that comfort blanket and suddenly you're in it. In even scarier situation. 
Yeah, um, I think I've always been quite um, an outgoing person, weirdly enough, despite having those problems, which I had those problems because of my dad dying. I didn't deal with that very well. Um, But beneath all of that, I've always been very outgoing and I kind of held on to that. I never wanted to let that go. I knew it was still there somewhere. I've always been a big dreamer. This sounds quite silly, but I think the most powerful technique for for recovering was, um, what's the word? Just um, envisioning what I wanted my life to be like in my head. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So I would like imagine what I want my life to be like and I told on to that and I made sure that that's happened and you know that the life that I'm living now is exactly the life that I wanted to lead yeah so I think that that visualization that's the word visualization (laughs) visualization is very powerful and I like that you were you kind of you took up photography because that's very much um you know, it gives you a purpose. It's like you're not going to New York to just look about. You're going there to take photos. You're you're going out to take pictures of things, um, and it, it feels a lot more. It, it's like you've got more purpose than if you if you just went there to visit. Yeah, I mean, photography excites me so much that that is ultimately what got me on that plane to New York, which was a huge deal because yeah, I remember um, you tweeting about that at the time. Yeah, it was terrifying to be on a plane for whatever it is, six, six, seven hours. You're kind of boxed into a plane and you can't get off. That used to terrify me. Um, but just knowing that I'd get a chance to go over there and take photos, which sounds silly because people who aren't the least bit interested in photography will be listening and wondering how it could possibly have that effect on me. But I'm just incredibly passionate about it. So, yeah, it was my photography that that ultimately saved me photography and visualization (laughs) 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 yeah but um yeah so now just uh, none of that's an issue none of it at all I can travel everywhere drive everywhere fly everywhere it wouldn't wouldn't freak you out no I I I mean I'll never enjoy flying Mm. I'll never enjoy it I don't think but it's it's always worth it even that time oh after after the flight to New York doing my first flight to New York I got back and then it was billed immediately after oh yeah weren't you on a really bumpy flight this is it it was like that that bill that time we were in build it was 90 miles an hour gale force winds and the planes to Belfast from Glasgow are tiny little propeller planes so that was a really bad experience. But once I did that, I was terrified. Um, but once I did that, I thought, okay, if I've survived that 90 <laughs> miles an hour gale force winds in a propeller plane, you know, I'll never have another flight that bad. And I haven't, so it's, it's been okay. <laughs> Do you it like flying? Of, um, I never found it a problem. I think I flew when I was quite young and no one really explained to me that it should be something I should be scared about. Um, yeah. the only thing that I get nervous about is the, the airport. I just don't like airports because no, they're not nice. Gonna, I'm not going to be able to find the gate or get lost or something. Yeah, no, they're they're not pleasant, and it's just there are too many the whole, people. Like, security stuff. Yeah, it's so stressful, just, isn't it? Is that, do you take shoes off? Do you have to put? Do you have to put your? You know, do you have to take your earrings out? Do you, what do you? What is the kind of? Yeah, it's not fun. And and I always get, I always get stuck at customs. Um, and I was on a, I was going to Canada, and um, I was, yeah, I was at the passport control, and for some reason they they thought that I was not meant to be there, and they took me aside, and I was so nervous. Oh my goodness! Oh, I thought we Are were. Are you friends. kidding? <laughs> so oh. they they, put, they took me to like um, they they gave me this stamp on my on my um on my card and I thought that meant that I could go through so I was like walking through and then I got stopped and I got sent to this other room where this guy just asked me questions while staring at me and then then he just suddenly goes welcome to Canada and he stamps my passport and I'm like what was that that would terrify anybody though (laughs) yeah that sounds really scary oh so you've been to Canada yeah yeah I went to uh Toronto I love what's it that like oh it's so yeah. nice it's it's like 
I don't really like cities, but I really like Toronto just because um, I really like the kind of street design. They've got these really wide streets, really sort of big pavements. Those are cyclists. Um, it just it's really clean. Everyone's really friendly as well. Um, you know, you go into a coffee shop and they've got Yorkshire tea. Um, <laughs> it's oh, like is that not um, widely available no, over no. there? I mean, like, if I visit America, it's really hard to get tea. I think I went to Starbucks and they don't, they don't really sell tea. They have like chai tea, but they don't have English breakfast tea. And that's weird. Yeah. And, and sometimes like if I stay in a hotel, they don't have um, a kettle. They just have like a coffee machine and I'll try and make tea in the coffee machine and then it'll just taste like burnt coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's lovely in, in Canada. It's very, it, there's kind of all the British comforts, but it's still a different place and it's, I just kind of like it. Yeah, I'd like to go. But again, that's, I feel like um, the the six, seven hours on a flight to New York kind of maxed me out. I can't imagine spending any longer. And what's yeah. that nine hours on a plane? Um, actually, I don't think it's that much. Um, maybe, maybe it's like shorter on the way there than the way back, but it's kind of, I think it's kind of a similar distance. I don't remember. It's quite a while ago. Hmm. Traveling's fun, but it's just so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. I really feel like does. you need to have a holiday after after traveling. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you do. It's stressful. So, um, when you were starting out, how did you get people to kind of take you seriously? Because you were quite young. Yeah, that's funny. Because I was um, eighteen and. My dad was 58 and my dad was very clever and he was very good at what he, what he did. And, um, my agents had a lot of respect for him. So for this 18 year old kid to just take over the business, it was a little bit strange. The first time I met them, I was wearing, like I was sitting in this meeting with them in a boardroom in London and I had, um, this Led Zeppelin t-shirt on (laughs) and then like these I used to wear these really baggy jeans that would sit halfway down my bum (laughs) so I had them on and then my red polka dot pants I can't believe like how could anybody take me seriously like that but (laughs) the the thing is so I've actually always really I really believe in myself okay Mm. and I was in this position and even though it sucked at the time, I knew I could do it. Okay. Mm. Because I think that anybody can do anything that they put their mind to. I believe that. So I thought I can do this. So I remember sending them an email telling them, I know things aren't great right now, but just give me a bit of time. Give me a bit of time and I'll learn what I need to learn to keep the business ticking along. And I did. Um, and I think just over time, um, one of the things that I think has been quite important is that I have stuck to my guns. Mm, you've kind of so, determined and you just want to get on Yeah. But you get people who, you know, you can sit there for me and ha- I can sit there and have a conversation with my agents and they can tell me what they think I should be doing. And I'm not the kind of person who... I think most 18-year-old kids would have just been like, okay, I'll listen to them and do what they're telling me to do. Mm. But for me, I've always said, well, actually, if I think they're wrong, I'll tell them I think they're wrong and I'll tell them why I think they're wrong and I'll tell them what I want to do. So I think they've actually, well, they've said themselves that they have a lot of respect for me because of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I I didn't just kind of... That's really um, good. I mean, they could have gone the other way and said, you know, they not have respect for you and... Um, just think you're sort of a kid running in there, not really know what yeah. you're doing, but just trying to be a bit rebellious. Or yeah, but I just think that over time they've seen the work that I'm doing. I show them what I'm working on, and so they see that they see that I'm, you know, building the websites and and creating things, and and now they're really behind me. Now they really actually want me to work with them. Yeah, and um, you're kind of steering the business in a different direction. Are they quite responsive to that? So the insurance industry has really changed because we came into it, we were focusing on that that niche. Am I saying that right? Yes. <laughs> niche, niche. Uh, landlords insurance and everything was great. 
And nowadays, the industry is so it's so become so competitive, become so crowded. I mean, come on, Tesco are offering uh, landlord insurance. How am I meant to compete with Tesco? It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, my agents are really supportive of me taking it down the software route. And I'm hoping that the two, the insurance and the software, can complement one another quite nicely. I think it will. I think that is, for me, I think that's the way forward. Yeah, definitely. Have you read the book Sag? I've bought it. I bought it at New Adventures and I've, um, because I've been reading other books, I've not started it yet, but I've got it there. It's really short. It's, uh, most of the pages are pictures, um, if I remember correctly, but it's, it's, it'll take you about half an hour to read, I think. Oh, might do that on my lunch break then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because that's about doing, what, what's, isn't it about, doing something a little bit differently yeah so where you see other people like if everyone's doing the same thing you do the complete opposite um so if you see um you know if you see all these insurance companies um kind of doing everything over the phone you do it online you you offer someone you offer people something different to what everyone else is offering i kind of wish banks did that you know because they're always really rubbish like their online stuff's really rubbish and then um simple bank came out yeah, it's really, really gorgeous sort of interface. It's you manage it all online, and I wish other banks would do that. I wish there was like a competitor who offered a really nice online service. Yeah, because Simple are only in the US, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, I think they, if they are in the UK, I think because I tried to sign up, and um, I think they don't do like business banking or something like that. I really wanted to sign up yeah no banks just I don't know like that's that's pretty much what I'm speaking about industry is how backwards the insurance industry is um and and banks are the same aren't they with technology I mean yeah they're just so yeah like, they're so in the past weren't you didn't I see a series of tweets where you were actually writing to your bank to give them tips was that was it your bank <laughs> yeah um so my bank, um, like their business site, it's 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 like they built it twenty years ago or something, and they do this thing where they make the link color the same as the text color, and it doesn't have any other style to it. So the only way that you know it's a link is just by hovering over all of the text and waiting for the the cursor to change to like a pointer. And so I wrote to them and I said, look, you know this is really annoying. It's really frustrating. I can't use the site if you just added this bit of CSS like that changed the link colors to to a different color than the body text it would suddenly make it so much more accessible and I put in um like the RNIB uh recommendation for um for sort of blind users and um saying you know it it, uh, links need to be sort of a different style to body text and uh they wrote back to me sort of saying oh you know um we'll look into it and you know they like, never will. every two weeks they sent me a letter saying we're looking into it and every every no they didn't and like every two weeks they'd because they had to respond within two weeks but their response was always we're we'll, we'll look into it we're, we're passing on to someone else and every time um they, they gave me like 10 pounds compensation so i got like six of these letters all giving me like 10 pounds and what? it it went up to like after six weeks i just wrote them a letter saying look you know are you actually gonna do something about this um and then they sent me they sent me like a gift box with um like a girly gift box with like foot cream and stuff in it <laughs> and a, and a little so letter funny. saying saying oh uh, yeah w- w- we'll look into it and we're closing your complaint and you know, and and a year later, they still haven't made changes. It, it's you know, I told them, look, you're you're breaking the sort of legislation on this. There is, yeah, there are companies like Target who have been um, who have been sued for not doing something similar, and you're doing it, and they don't care. You know, they all banks do the same, and like I've changed banks because I'm so fed up with it, and that bank's exactly the same. But I wonder who exactly have they employed to take care of this. Um, I think it's because I know a couple of people who work in banks and they're always trying to, they're always trying to like push for changes. And it's just so difficult because 
a lot of the software is kind of legacy software. So to, to make one little change, it's actually, you know, it, it's like a, a decades old system that they have to go into and like no one knows how to use this code anymore because no one uses that, that code base. And um, so I understand it's, it's really difficult, but I don't see them making any changes at all. I don't see kind of any um, innovation or any um, improvement. And it's been out for years and it's, it's like, when are you going to change it? The only time they're going to change it is when enough people complain. And the good thing about complaining is that they send you foot cream and, and vaccines and stuff. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'll just so keep funny. doing it. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel in a similar position, um, which is again, something that I speak about the industry. I know I'm kind of like drip feeding little bits when I should have just done it all in one, one go. But, um, yeah, I'm having the same problem with insurance because of, you know, quote systems and um, when yeah. you're getting a quote for your insurance, um, they're just, they're, they're absolutely awful. There isn't one on the market that I can think of. Actually, Money Supermarket do quite a nice one for the yeah, home insurance. Yeah, I was insurance. thinking of that one. That's, yeah. That's and like a good example of one. I was really surprised when I used that. Yeah, I loved using it. I use it even like when I'm not actually getting a quote, I use it. It's great fun. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm kind of in this position where that's absurd to me because this is the backbone mm. of our business as any insurer's business is the quote system. Um, but that's why people should come to industry because I show something that I've been working on and talk about possible changes that could be happening with that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting as well because you've, you've got, sort of so many competitors um yeah but they're all doing really badly yeah and so you've got the opportunity to sort of steam ahead and do your own thing and um, exactly but chasing coattails yes exactly this is exactly it but it is difficult because um like you said people are tied into using certain systems and then it's expensive to change so they're reluctant so it is it's going to be a big um it's going to be a, a long, hard journey. Yeah, big challenge. You've got to make it but... good enough that it, it makes it worth people making the switch. Yes. No, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing, um, hearing like, uh, do you know if it's being recorded, your talk? Yeah, it's going to be recorded. Um, it is going to be recorded, but it's, do you know, with it being my first talk, I actually, this sounds terrible. Maybe I shouldn't even say it, but... I don't want people to have high expectations of my talk because it's my first talk and I've never done any type of public speaking before. So I'm not sure what I'm going to be like when I get up there. I'm not sure if my nerves are going to get the better off me. So I'm kind of worried that people I think, are I really think do great. I mean, you know, listening to cause you, you've got your sort of gaming website and you, you do little YouTube videos on that. I know it's very different, um, but I think when you get into it, you'll realise like, this is actually kind of the same. Yeah, I hope so. It's just it's it's been such um such a big build up to it, and the build up is probably the worst part, isn't it? And you yeah. kind of thinking about oh, everything in your that, head. That yeah, and, and then you're thinking the talk isn't so bad. It's just the anticipation. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, I guess we'll see if I enjoy it when I do it. And if I do, I'd like to take, because this is my first talk, I'd like to certainly listen to feedback and possibly build upon it. So I just don't want, I kind of want to be the underdog. I don't want people to think I'm going to be great at it because it's my first time. I want people to go easy on me. (laughs) Our next sponsor is Five Simple Steps. This Tuesday, April 9th, they'll be announcing details of the four new titles that will make up their third Pocket Guide collection to be released later this year. Each Pocket Guide is a concise ebook that focuses on a specific and timely aspect of web design and development, all for the price of your favourite coffee. So head over to 5simplesteps.com on Tuesday to find out more about the Collection 3 titles and when they'll be available to buy. And in the meantime... Five Simple Steps are offering listeners a 10% discount between the 8th and 15th of April on Collection 1 of the Pocket Guide series by entering Unfinished PGC10 at checkout. Collection 1 consists of four great titles, 
Creating Symbol Fonts by Brian Suder, CSS3 Layout Modules by Rachel Andrew, The Craft of Words Part 1 by The Standard Easters, and Psychology for Designers by Joe Leach. So go to 5simplesteps.com and get some nice short ebooks that are perfect to read on the train or in your lunch hour to quickly get you up to scratch on a new topic. So when you first started running the business, um, and I guess all your friends around you, they're sort of, you know, 18, 19, like, did you feel like you were missing out at all? Um, to be honest... Does that question make sense? <laughs> it makes total sense. I actually... Like things were quite problematic for me back then um, because it, as a teenager, I didn't have many friends who kind of knew what I was going through anyway with having just lost my dad. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just cut everybody out. I just kind of stopped socializing and sat in my house all the time and worked. And I guess I, I even to this day, sometimes I feel like I don't have an awful lot in common with my friends because I went to college and studied music so as you can imagine my social group is mostly made up of musicians which is completely different to business in the web isn't it so but yeah I um I I just kind of yeah it was pretty hard. I didn't feel like anybody, I could relate to anybody or anybody could relate to me, which is why I, I just cut them out. It's, it's a terrible answer, isn't it? That's terrible. No, I can I can completely understand. I mean, I started out when I was 18 as well, and it was really difficult at the time because um, all my friends had gone to uni and I was kind of left on my own. And I kind of, I felt really kind of, I couldn't relate to people my own age because um, they were doing completely different things to me. And I was just spending a lot of time with people like a decade older than me. And, um, I kind of, I could relate to them more because I was doing similar things to them. Um, but I did feel like I was maybe missing out on doing sort of, you know, growing up and doing lots of fun things. Cause I've been working, you know, I've been doing like freelance work since, since maybe 16. Um, I've been, sort of working for like all, all weekends I was working it it kind of when you meet up with your friends do you kind of feel like a bit out of touch with them and um like yeah they don't really understand um the way you work or they'll sort of absolutely make a comment about like why are you so serious and it yeah. will uh, absolutely 100% I have this problem so much um yeah even now because I can work seven days a week, um, not every week, but a lot of the time I do try to work seven days a week. And that's okay with me because I enjoy what I do. And this is the big problem with my friends because they might not necessarily enjoy what they do. So when they look at me, they just think I'm a total weirdo. And, you know, <laughs> I can give you a specific example of a friend who had a birthday recently and it was a birthday in a nightclub. I hate nightclubs, all right. Yeah. But I went to my friend's birthday and everybody was getting drunk. And I was like, right, guys, it's 12 o'clock. I'm going home now um, because I'm shooting a wedding tomorrow. And they were all like, well, I'm working tomorrow too. Yeah. And we're staying out and getting really drunk. So why can't you do that? And that's that's the biggest problem there is that they don't understand that I suppose it just all boils. Yes, it's work ethic. It's all about work ethic, isn't it? I'd never Mm. wake up for work, Um, especially something like shooting a wedding where you're you're not fresh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. I used to get, um, I used to have a bit of a go at my friends if they'd ring up like during office hours. Even though I was working from home, I kind of felt like, you know, if, uh, if I get interrupted or something, even though I'm working from home, even though I'm, I'm freelance, I'm not kind of free to contact any time of the day yes. just for a catch-up. Anna, I've had people turn, I've had friends turn up at my house during work hours. <laughs> and you're what like, do you do and you, that? You, what can you do? You just have to kind of entertain them for a wee while and then tell them to get away. No, but nobody does understand it, do they? Yeah, it's difficult. It well, I was just saying that the whole working from home thing or being freelance it is a bit of a strange one. I do my I don't think my friends think I actually do any work. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad because um, 
of my friends who went to uni because it's so difficult to kind of find work at the moment um it's you know they they were all kind of as soon as they left the uni kind of looking for work and I was already kind of renting my own place like I had I had my friends round and um at, um to my flat and they like after 10 minutes they go where are your flatmates they're like oh I, I don't have any and then they were like in the kitchen and they opened a cupboard door and it was a dishwasher and they're like oh wow you have <laughs> you, you have a dishwasher so yeah it's kind of like it's like having a car or something you know they're just so kind of impressed by me having a dishwasher and I just completely <laughs> took it for granted um and I, felt, I kind of felt bad because you know they, they've got degrees and stuff and there's me with just my stupid a-levels and um I'm already kind of mm. you know, uh, degrees don't really count and, for much these days though do they they've got years to to get to that point yeah but that's what's so exciting about the web industry is that you you can make something out of nothing. You don't need a degree. Yeah. You just need to, to work hard, don't you? Yeah, you need kind of determination. And um, I think as well, putting yourself forward for things. Uh, like, I was always putting myself forward for stuff um, until it kind of got too much, um, until I was finding that I was just too busy. And... I think it really helps, you know, offering to write for things, offering to speak for things. Um, it really, really helps in the long term. Um, and that's something that I'd recommend to people starting out, just, you know, offer to help with an open source project. Um, like when I was starting out, I, I was helping with um, with Biogwild. And that really helped because then I was sort of getting connections. I was talking to different people who then would recommend me to other people who would give me work and just that sort of thing you've got to really you've got to have that determination yeah I need to take a leaf out of your book and actually collaborate more with others on things because I'm not really doing much of that I think you will in you know this year by the sounds of it (laughs) yeah um yeah on the frequency they said that this is the year of Ashley Baxter (laughs) That was yeah, funny. Yeah, like the... 2013 is the year of Ashley Baxter. And yeah, is, I liked that. I well, yeah, um, it's difficult because you do, I think, I'm sure even the most confident people do doubt themselves, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> but also, do, do you know what, though? This is quite a sensitive subject, so feel free to just edit this out and this can just be a conversation between you and I. But... It is genuinely nerve-wracking, actually, to put things out there on, to put to publish things on the internet because I've seen so much negativity lately, and you do wonder. Yeah, it's it kind of like walking in eggshells. Kind of, yeah, it's it's frustrating because you feel like you know you, you're contributing, you're doing stuff for other people, and you know it, you could just not do that. You could not do that at all, and no one would say anything bad about you because you're not doing anything. Um, but it is, yeah, I I get upset by it when people are rude about something I've done or or just about me in general. And it's kind of, you know, well, what, what have you done, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I bet the people, well, that's exactly it. The people, I bet the people who do say the negative things are the people who aren't actually doing anything. Yeah, yeah. So but, it is a little you know, bit nerve-wracking putting yourself out there. Yeah, I, it does put me off a lot, and it it shouldn't, and people tell me it shouldn't. But um, I think I, I'm happier doing stuff than not doing stuff, even if even if there's like people being mean. <laughs> it's you know I think it's still worth it. So Ashley, where can people find you? Right. So the probably the best place to go is iamashley.co.uk because that sort of links off to my photo blog, my gaming blog, and my insurance site. So that's the best place to go. Um, but if you just feel like hearing me nattering on on a daily basis, then I am also, I am Ashley on Twitter. Oh, and do do follow Ashley on Twitter because she's, she's really good. She's a good tweeter. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Oh, thank you. 
So you can email me at she has at unfinished.bz and Andy at he has at unfinished.bz or you can email us both at they have at unfinished.bz. You can find all the links that we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. They're at unfinished.bz forward slash 13. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinished.unfinished.bz. And thanks again to our fantastic sponsors, Hammer for Mac, a nifty development tool for designers and developers, and Five Simple Steps and their fantastic pocket guides. See you next week. Bye.